Paul, where's your head at after that? Uh, just, just give me a quick sort of mental picture. Uh, uh. <laughs> great, great, fantastic. I get it though. Ten out of ten. What's your level of sadness? Uh, uh, probably seven, seven six, six maybe okay. seven. I think it's, I'm verging on a solid five. Yeah, six. more frustration yeah. than sadness. Welcome to this week's Red Voices, everyone. You know, of, of course, after a very uh, interesting weekend in which Chelsea got absolutely tonked by Sheffield United and Bournemouth blitzed past Leicester City in one of the most entertaining games of all time, Manchester United struggled to capitalise and find themselves in fifth after a 2-2 draw with a last-minute equaliser conceded against Atlanta Old Trafford tonight. You and Leonard Paul Gunning to dissect that mess I guess I mean let's wind it back to the beginning of the evening Paul Ollie picking the same side what was it the fifth game in a row yeah what, what, what were your thoughts on that I thought it was a mistake um, I can see, I completely understand why he did it and why he keeps doing it we've got this great momentum we're in really good form scoring goals for fun so he's obviously thinking, let's just keep that going. These players are the players I trust. This is my first team now. He obviously tried playing some of the second string against Norwich and it backfired pretty horribly. But, you know, we've said for a few weeks now, Matic looks a bit tired. You know, a few of the players tonight looked a bit tired. Pogba's played quite a lot of football, really, considering the amount of time he spent injured this season. Rashford is the same, although I think Rashford played okay tonight. And even, I think, Bruno, you know, we like to think that he's invincible, but he looked tired as well. He's played a lot of football. So you've got a squad there for a reason. I think tonight was just maybe a, a bridge too far for that sort of starting eleven. Yeah, I mean, I, I think exactly the same. It was such a double-edged sword for Oli because ultimately the reason that United don't have a better quality level across the entire squad isn't down to him. You know, no. he has improved the quality of the squad in general with the players that he's brought in and what he's gotten out of the players that were already there. And yeah. there is a big drop off when you start chipping away at that, you know, oh, desired huge, starting yeah. eleven. But by that same token, flogging the team again in what was always going to be a difficult game against a team that presses very high, that's very physical and left more than a few challenges in the lads this evening. It was always going to be a tough ask and it was a risk that would have been completely worth taking had we been able to hold on to the lead. But there were various points in that second half as things were winding down and it became clear that United were literally just looking to get one more goal just to turn off the game. Because we didn't really... I mean, from the first minute, really, on the first couple of minutes, United never really had control over that game at all, did they? No, not at all. Um, you're absolutely right about Southampton. The, the pressing was very impressive. And, and you, you always know that when a team presses that much and that highly and that quickly... And that kind of ferociously, that they can't keep that up for the full 90 minutes or even the full first 45 minutes. And that's exactly what happened with Southampton. But, I mean, you know, with a, with a, a better quality strike force, they could have been two or three goals ahead by the time we sort of even got our heads together, really. I mean, the first goal, Pogba, you know, he's been known to dawdle on the ball. And, but the, the thing is, against a team who's pressing that high and that quickly, you just can't afford to. And we looked at all, all at sea, really. Um, you know, we we try and play out the out from the back under Ole Solskjaer, and and that's great when it comes off, and you know that's what really great teams do. But you know, we just quite often United just look a bit panicky when we're doing that. We look a bit flustered or easily flustered. You know, as soon as the team starts pressing high against us, things start to go a bit wrong, and we look edgy. You know, it's pretty predictable the first goal coming in the way that it did. So yeah, it was it was a poor start from United and a very good start from Southampton. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the 
doubly frustrating with the way that goal was conceded was that Martial had a chance to give us the lead not long before it. You know, it was yeah. uh, you know losing sight of the ball and Martial ghosting in. It was admittedly you expect Martial to score from that instance, but by that same token, I thought McCarthy did pretty well. He came out quickly and he spread yeah, himself he and he cut down the angle quite well. And you know, Martial's been in such great form. I think he's allowed you know to not score every single chance that comes his way. But on a night like tonight, I think small moments like that did cost us quite a bit. You know, I mean, you look at yeah. the goal itself that we conceded. You know, it's just Pogba maybe not getting the shout or not being aware of what's going on around him, or just Danny Ings being a bit sharper. You know, he wins the ball easily when Pogba's made the turn. It's great work by Nathan Redmond to pick out Armstrong at the, the far post. But I think the upsetting thing was Armstrong had enough time to take a touch and pick his spot. You know, yeah. there was plenty of room for him to maneuver there. And yeah, not a great goal to concede, despite the fact that it was well worked by Southampton. And again, you know, the fact that, you know, Martial had what you'd say was a much more presentable chance and Southampton coped with it. And we gave away a much more trickier chance and conceded. Yeah, I thought it took, a, it took our attacking players a little while to get into the game. And that's obviously partly due to the way Southampton set up and the way Southampton played. And I mentioned already, you know, Pogba obviously was not at his best tonight. Um, and I don't think, I didn't think Bruno Fernandes was at his best either. You know, he's still trying things, which is great, but some of them, you know, they just weren't coming off in, in, in the way that we've sort of grown accustomed to with him. And Greenwood as well was, was quiet. And those first 20 minutes, we just really couldn't get a grip on the game. And Martial, I mean, even that, that Martial chance... It came from nothing. It came from a Southampton mistake, and you would expect them to bury it. I, I was watching the replay. I mean, you know, you could possibly have just shot first time from outside the box. I don't know, but you would have absolutely bet your house on him scoring that in the form that he's in. Yeah, um, and I, I think you're right. The keeper did really well. Actually, spread himself well and really strong hands to it. So. You know, well, where credit's due. Yeah, I mean, Gary Neville was noting this in the early offing. When Southampton pressed that high and obviously forced United to pass it back along the back four, once we were playing it centrally from centre-back to Matic or Pogba, they were instantly getting swarmed on. Yeah. When we started playing it out wide to Wan-Bissaka and Luke Shaw and they started pushing a bit further at the pitch and then passing it to Pogba or Matic, then we started to get some luck. And that's where the first goal, or at least the second goal, comes from. And the interesting thing about those goals, again, is that you know, you're talking about us getting into the game a little bit more. We didn't really have any periods of sustained pressure, you know, not leading up to those goals at all. You know, we we had flashes. And I think, no. all right, the result isn't great, but there are still spots of encouragement. You know, you look at the way that those goals came out of nothing, really. You know, United were struggling to get a foothold in the game by that point, but then are capable of just completely turning it on. And it's not like that came yeah. from a break either. That came from just us working the ball particularly well. You know, it was Pogba with a... I mean, the man's good enough to make those passes deliberately. I don't know whether that was fortuitous or a bit speculative or what, but regardless, great pass to Martial. I thought Martial yeah. does incredibly well to keep hold of that. But then to get that touch just when he's being fouled, to take it away yeah. from the defender and get it into Rashford's path so he's got some room to strike it without having to take a touch. And again, you know, lovely finish from Rashford. I mean, that's his first goal from, uh, you know, that wasn't a penalty since uh, lockdown ended. And, you know, a lovely moment for him. And then, what, barely a couple of minutes later, it's 2-1. And it's Martial making Walker Peters just backtrack and backtrack and backtrack and he got that little room on his right foot and absolutely blasts it. I mean, it was a man-of-the-match mm. performance from Martial anyway, but a superb moment and another lovely goal. Out of nothing, though. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, so we weren't really creating much at all. We, we, 
like I said, we looked all at sixes and sevens really at that moment. But that's the thing about United now. We have got those players and so many of those players who can just turn a game on its head in an instant. And, uh, you know, I mean, at that point, 2-1 flattered us. But you're absolutely right about Martial. I mean, he's on fire at the moment. He's really starting to look like he's on the verge of fulfilling his potential. Obviously, you know, you can't really say that until he's doing it literally week in, week out and, and in the really big matches and Champions League games and all the rest of it if we get there, obviously. But yeah, I mean, that, that control and strength and touch for Rashford's goal was, you know, it's really fantastic centre-forward play that. And that's why he's on number nine at the moment. And then and the finish for his, for his goal, I mean... Greenwood-esque. Greenwood-esque, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and with players, you know, with those three players, I mean, Rashford's still not quite found his range yet. I know he scored tonight, but he's, he's had a couple of good chances tonight. That, that he's sort of fluffed and you know when he does find his range again and, and gets back into sort of top form I mean that's one hell of a, a front three you know you've said it before nightmare to defend against and you just can't afford to give them any space whatsoever and Martial showed that again tonight that reminds us I mean not that we haven't needed much reminding in this, these last several games but it just shows how Martial has rewarded Solskjaer's trust in him and it's wonderful to see him have those flashes and those moments and score those goals but not only that the work rate was again impeccable today you know that chance that he creates for himself yeah the shot wasn't great but he did like two or three defenders in a couple of swift motions in the second half it would have been a gorgeous goal to finish off he would he did that thing that you you used to try in the playground where you you knock it past the player and and then go around the other side I mean I could never do that by the way no (laughs) he's um, I mean you know that, that first sort of well, his first season at United when he was relatively unknown and obviously had a big impact um, sort of early on against Liverpool and then in the, in the FA Cup semi-final and all the rest of it. And a lot of fans said, you know, this this guy could be really top draw and, and then he, he'll sort of drift out of games for long periods or, you know, go through a, a run of form. And obviously, he, he's, you know, he didn't have a great relationship with Mourinho and so he's, it's been tough for him at United and Solskjaer has shown absolute faith in him and not just by selling Lukaku but by giving him the number nine shirt back and, and playing him as a striker and mm-hmm. keeping faith in him earlier in the season when things weren't maybe going quite as well as they are now and he's really repaying him and, and it's vindication for Solskjaer and, and and yeah it's just great to see because he's still a re- you know relatively and it's his first proper season as a striker an out and out striker and he's doing brilliantly I'll tell you what there's one person who I don't really want to hear talk about anything anymore. It's Matthew Tissier. I mean, coronavirus such... truther refusing yeah. to wear a Black Lives Matters badge. I mean, just pardon my language, but f- this man so much. Yeah. I mean, let, let's look at that. Thinking about that file again, the hoops he was having to jump through to try and legislate for that Romeo challenge is just it's ridiculous look the it's, ball yeah. is nowhere near there the ball is long gone he's he knows he's not getting anywhere near there that has been left on deliberately and it, it's nasty it's unnecessary yeah. and you know if he was generally if that was an accidental challenge then you might have a quick look at the player and see if they're all right didn't turn yeah. back didn't give a shit you know it's a red card 
I know that we ha- we are maybe not in the most highest moral position to be discussing VAR mistakes, especially after what we saw last week. Yeah. But at the same stage, you know, decisions like that, I can't quite fathom. You know, it, the referee needs to go back and have a look at that. And VAR should be telling him what's going on with that because it's a bad challenge. It's nasty. It's unnecessary. And more importantly than anything in the context of what happened tonight, that could have caused some serious unnecessary damage to Greenwood. For what? It really could, and, and such a young player, such a huge talent, you know. And I mean, Gary Neville said it in commentary, you know, that's a potential leg breaker. And you're absolutely right, I didn't turn around to look to, you know, because these things do happen in football where, you know, players miss time tackles or whatever. But yeah, it was a it was a bad challenge. I thought it should have probably have been a sending off. Well, it should have been a sending off. And Letizia, I mean, he's just an absolute weapon, isn't he? You, you can't excuse that. And to say there wasn't enough force in the challenge for it to be a red card, well, so what if there wasn't enough force? I mean, I'm not even sure what he's getting at there, really. What does he have to do, break his leg? I mean, those challenges, then it, you know, we've been saying for years they need to be wiped out of the game. And I think he was a very lucky man to stay on the pitch. And obviously, you know, if he had been sent off, that, that would have changed the game again. And like you said before, you know, it was, it, it's kind of a... a, a a game of small margins and I mean I'm not going to point to that as one of the massive reasons as to why we didn't win tonight but I no, think absolutely. it's certainly worth certainly worth noting considering just how nasty a challenge it was and I think you know it, looking at the flow of the game you know we go from the first half into the second you know after that second goal it reminded me a lot of the Villa game obviously the outcome was wildly different but once we got that first goal the other team looked scared you know, there yeah. were moments in which Southampton just looked petrified about what, what we could do to them. And we created enough openings that we could have gotten a third before the end of the half. You know, probably with a great shot that you would anticipate normally with his, his level of skill, he would get a little bit further away from the keeper, but too close to McCarthy. And then Martial, you knew he was shooting on this one right at the edge of the area, even though Rashford was probably better placed. And then the Rashford chance as well. I mean, oh, I mean, wonderful work by the two of them. It's a fantastic move. I mean, Rashford skin skin his defender and. Uh, I mean, they have got you know when when those two are on song and you know, playing well together. I mean, they really do. They're, they're fantastic to watch. You would have bet your house on Rashford scoring that. Really, I mean, I'm really quite sure how he missed. Well, I think it was Bertrand coming in for the block, wasn't it? You know, it was it was great work by Bertrand to get back and close down the angle and not give him the time to finish. You know, it would have been a wonderful goal. You know, the image of Martial. You know, aggrieved, and then Rashford in the goal with his head in the net was was remarkable. I mean, yeah, hang that in the Louvre. You always felt, you, you know, the longer that second half went on, you you just felt like United really needed, a th- really needed a third goal because that would have really knocked the stuffing out of Southampton. I think. And- yeah, well, they just never kept the game, did they? They were always there or thereabouts, and even when United Absolutely. had spots of pressure in the second half, you know, maybe ten minutes or so, they would come back and make some problems they would come back and cause some issues you know and you know if it wasn't sure driving me spare for the thousandth time and not closing his van down quick enough and letting uh walker peters get a cross fizzing right across goal you know it was various crosses that weren't dealt with you know superbly you know lindelof had an all right night to be fair i mean some wild decisions you remember harry Maguire suddenly deciding even though rashford was better placed from a deep cross from fernandez he decided he yeah. wanted the ball i mean number one where's the shout there number two number two what on earth is harry Maguire doing there it's bizarre isn't it like he loves it, being up him, there he's mad you've seen him pushed up there numerous times when when we sort of need a goal but mm. yeah weird yeah the, the, as soon as brandon williams went off injured i feared the worst really because 
we'd already been sort of living on our nose a little bit for mm. you know those last 10 minutes or so and you just felt that with the man advantage particularly once they got a set piece I mean corn you know you're just thinking oh here we go and it was a great delivery really really good delivery um, yeah <sighs> I don't know what you think of this I, I, I agree with you I think Lindelof played quite well tonight I think second half particularly he was uh, he was pretty strong did he? Could he have done more for that for for their equaliser? I'll be honest with you. I haven't looked back at it because yeah, it was I was too it, grumpy. Just, <laughs> yeah, he just seemed because he, he and he was the wrong side of his man for a start and just seemed a bit slow to react. It just see and it was a really it was a horrible, horrible delivery. You know, it was whipping in mm. at speed. Oh, why? You know, we're just so bad at defending set pieces. Well, we're not as bad as Chelsea, at least, but still, no, it were. As you said there, when Brandon got that knock from, again, I believe it was, was it Steens or Walker-Peters? I mean, he was in the match a lot, for good and bad reasons. But yeah, once Brandon took that knock, and we'd already used all of our substitution slots, not all of our substitutes, because I was wondering at the time why we couldn't bring anyone else on to replace him. But it's because we used all the allotted slots to actually make those substitutions, so we couldn't bring on anyone else. You know, obviously it was it was disappointing to see Luke Shaw go off in the way that he did. You know, you could see yeah, him jump up immediately. He jolted as soon as he rolled his ankle, and he thought, "Well, as soon as he said I'm going to carry on for a bit longer," and he, they didn't make the sub, I was thinking, "This is just, you know, you, you're buying time." You know, Brandon's going to be yeah. on in a couple of minutes because we see that we see that exact injury happen so often, and players try and run it off, and it never works. No. And I feel sorry for sure. He, he's, yeah, he is under a tighter microscope as all United defenders are these days. In the sense that we focus on their errors sometimes more than their successes. And he hasn't been remotely terrible in lockdown. He's been mostly all right, sometimes pretty good. Yeah. But it is a blow because he is part of what Solskjaer has deemed to be his strongest eleven. And him missing now, you would assume potentially until what the Europa League campaign, maybe the start of next season. That's going to be a problem. And especially with Brandon now taking that nasty knock. I mean, if that's just a gash, I mean, you might have to worry about a concussion. So he could be out for Palace as well. And that leaves us with problems going into that Palace game who have got some good strengths out wide. So I don't, is that time for Dallow to come into that slot now? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Marcus Rocco. I mean, you know. Oh, God. I mean, he's in Argentina, so no. <laughs> no you know that, right? Oh, good. Thank I God. do know that. Um, I think you'd have to. Yeah, I don't want any of your Marcus Rocco bollocks tonight. I'm not about that energy, <laughs> Paul. It's been a rough evening as it is. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it would have to be Delow or, or I can't really think of any, what else you could do. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an issue, isn't it? Really, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of hoping that Williams will be okay, but I mean, obviously, you can't, you can't be too careful with head injuries. So, no, 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 certainly not. Yeah, it was, it was, and I, just on Luke Shaw. I just it's just such a shame because he is very injury prone. He was he was injury prone before as the leg break, but I don't know. You just feel for him so much because you're right. He he hasn't done badly since since coming back from lockdown. I think positionally, his positional sense at times leaves a lot to be desired. But you know he's trying. He tries hard, and and you know Solskjaer obviously believes in him. So yeah, real shame for him. Yeah, and again, you know, we're talking about how the momentum swung away from us. Obviously, Williams having to come off and not being able to replace him caused a big issue. But the truth was, by that stage, we weren't really offering a lot, you know. And No, we looked tired. Yeah, and that is, again, a double-edged sword of Solskjaer overusing that starting eleven and not necessarily switching a few positions up. But then when he does bring other players on, the drop in quality, you know, you take Pogba and Fernandez out of that team and you're struggling to make chances and 
use the ball well when you know we grind it out and win it back. Um, it's a really difficult one now for Solskjaer to manage going into these next couple of games because Palace on Thursday becomes a must-win. You know, we have to get that victory now. You know, there's just no two ways about it. You know, West Ham are going to be in a relegation fight next week, and that won't be much fun. And then Leicester on the last day of the season. Away at Walker Stadium. I can't say I'm massively looking forward to that, despite the fact they got absolutely hammered last night. Anyway, let's take a quick break and come back to this in a sec. Just a quick reminder that Red Voices is brought to you in association with Pitch Sports, a football fan app offering you the chance to connect and compete with other United fans, build and rate starting 11s, predict United's results, and have your say on the club. Head on over to Google Play or the Apple App Stores and search for Pitch Sports. Palace and West Ham are two, two teams that I really hate playing as well like it, I don't know there's something about them I mean to be fair like I don't enjoy playing Southampton at all no I, mean, I didn't mean either they're, they're no. another one well it, I think it was more just because it's obviously been some time since we played them and I haven't been keeping a close eye on their fortunes this season especially not since the 9-0 but they were far more physical and at times dirty than I expected. You know, there was a lot of nasty little moments and nibbles and tackles. One of those sort of shithousery performances that you admire when it's your team and you hate playing against when it's not. But I don't think you can really take too much away from them in terms of the end result. You know, it's not like they didn't deserve it. I think the frustration is that United had another opportunity and what is it, six times this season, five times this season where Chelsea have dropped points and we haven't made them pay. With so much riding on for United's future on the top four obviously we've got the Europa League but you know you, you want to be putting down a marker for next season you know you want to be making United look like an encouraging place to go and one of the big ways United can do that is to shed this narrative of bottling it at key moments because that is unfortunately a large part of what we've seen over the last six seven years isn't it you know we have struggled when the pressure's on to get ourselves over the line and Tonight, obviously, there's insinuating circumstances, and I didn't think we were going to go the rest of the season without dropping some points because, you know, this is all just a completely different set of circumstances to be playing football in. You know, they've been off for three months, they haven't had a full pre season. You know, you're not going to be able to keep your form going, your best form going all that long. And again, you know, the Premier League is a good league. You know, there's some quality signs in here, and Southampton have been playing pretty damn well of late. It's not the worst way to lose a couple of points. No, particularly on the road as well. They're very good away from home, aren't they? No, yeah. And in particular, after Leicester and Chelsea dropped those points, they did give us some breathing space. So we do still have it in our hands. That's the thing though, isn't it? That's like, as you're saying, that's the, that's the issue here really is that when when we're chasing and, you know, there's a, there's a a biggish gap, then we can, we can do that. But as soon as the opportunity arises for us to actually make that leap, um, whether it's well, you know, at the moment into the top four, uh, we seem to slip up. It happened numerous times towards the end of last season. That's a mentality thing. It has to be a mentality thing. And I, I think fatigue definitely played a role tonight. I don't know if we get anxious or, or or nervous or what. I don't know. Knowing that we can, that this is our big opportunity, but it's something that we really need to sort out. And I hoped that we could. I, I thought tonight was going to be tough, and I hoped that we could kind of just grind the result out, really. And that's exactly what we needed to do. We needed to just sort of you know, those last ten minutes or so, just grind it out, you know, see yeah. it out, and we couldn't do it. That's the frustration, you know. No, well, I don't think United are as yet a team that can grind out results like that. You know, we've done it on a few occasions, but not consistently. You know, what United have been great at post-lockdown has been blowing teams away. And the only reason why we didn't win is because we didn't do that today, because the opportunities were there to do it, the players were there to do it, 
and it just for a multitude of different reasons it didn't come off you know and mm. it is deeply frustrating because we have been here enough times but it's not terminal there are still three games to go it is still very much in our hands because we have three games left and if we win those we know we've got top four and when you yeah. look at the other sets of fixtures they're not too welcoming you know we do have you know the quote-unquote the slightly easier fixtures let's look at them now you know Chelsea are playing Norwich tomorrow night now obviously with Norwich relegated you would assume that they would be losing that pretty heavily but yeah. stranger things have happened and then before we kick off at Sellers Park at quarter past eight Leicester are hosting Sheffield United now after the way they've turned things around after the first couple two or three games of lockdown that's going to be an incredibly tricky game for Leicester especially on the back of what happened on Sunday against Bournemouth they had the most tremendous footballing brain fart I've ever seen in my life in that match. It was remarkable. And they are going to be at a low ebb. And it's going to be a big deal for Rodgers to respond because they've looked shaky ever since football's restarted last month. They have, they, they were, even before that, you know, they, they, they had a fantastic kind of first half of the season. And then it just really started to drop off. And obviously, like you say, since, since coming back from lockdown, they've been pretty woeful, really. And then you bring that into the equation that they're going to be playing Spurs... On Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And if there was one manager that you wanted to be in charge of another team to shithouse a result for you, it's Jose. Spurs on Sunday then. So looking forward beyond that. Uh, We're playing West Ham on that Wednesday and Liverpool are going to be playing Chelsea the Wednesday before the season ends. And obviously we've all got our games. Chelsea versus Wolves. And again, Wolves could have have a big say in what happens between the end of the season. Obviously then we go off to Leicester. You know, obviously there's a lot of permutations and we have no idea how this is going to play out. But it's still weighted towards us and you know United can take a massive step towards that Champions League spot if they're able to get a result on Thursday now obviously we've got to be you know Solskjaer's got to change something hasn't he we can't expect to use that same starting 11 not in a practical sense because I don't think Luke Shaw is going to be available but in a fitness sense you know there's no way they're all going to be ready to do it and this is where you're going to call on maybe the likes of Fred and McTominay because we need the squad to step up and it's going to be a big test for them, I think, that game on Thursday because you would imagine that we might go for a bit of a stronger side with the FA Cup semi-final on Sunday. But yeah, it's going to be a massive game. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, massive game. Um, I just I said surprised, that. I was surprised he didn't. He, I, I was surprised he started Matic tonight. I thought he'd probably save Matic for Palace. But then I guess I guess he was hoping to get the three points tonight and yeah, he gambled. land a real blow on, on Chelsea and Leicester, you know, a psychological blow. Didn't work out, so it's really, it's really tricky to know to know where he goes from here. Really, I mean, cause, yeah, he, he he can't possibly start that first eleven again, surely. But then, I mean, you mentioned Dan James. Do I trust him to come in and, and make a difference? Not really. Fred McTominay, um, one of those should have started tonight, in my opinion, instead of Masic or, or even both. I mean, I don't know. It's uh, Pogba and Bruno both look a bit tired as well. I mean. You know, just that it's that it's that Norwich game. It's just like it haunts me. <laughs> we, we were so bad, weren't we? And um, I think he'll probably make two or three changes. Oh, he's gonna have to. I mean, there's no way around it. And he, he's gonna have to hope that we, you know we get sort of two, three goals ahead, at some, and 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 then he can bring the changes even more. Because <laughs> you know, because the, these players are, are, are looking pretty exhausted. Not exhausted, but you know, pretty. Um, pretty spent at the moment some of them obviously it takes on a different context in particular after this morning's news with City and I don't know about you but unsurprisingly getting off for that two year Champions League ban after the court arbitration for sport overturned UEFA's ruling now 
I mean, City was so bullish in the week leading up to the decision that I just couldn't really see it going any other way, you know. And given what Cass have said in terms of how difficult it was for them to enforce UEFA's ruling, given obviously there's the five-year time limit on submitting evidence, I'm surprised that it got as far as it did, that UEFA really pushed this, this much to try and charge City. And... It's made them look pretty stupid. It's given clubs more power to start thinking about, you know, working outside of UEFA's jurisdiction and their control. Don't get me wrong, I still think City are 100% guilty of what they were charged with. And I don't think anyone who's really been following the story thinks any differently. I just think it was going to be very difficult to enforce a ruling, given as well that obviously there's that timeline and the evidence. And not only that, you know, we know how the evidence was got, less than legal means. Yeah, it's disappointing, but I don't think Ollie can think any other way, can he? You know, I mean, we knew that we were going to have to focus on fourth. I think, yeah, I don't. I think, I think Ollie's Ollie's been, you know, um, focusing on on the top four all the way through. I don't think he would. I think he will have probably said to his players, "Look, forget about this this situation at City. Assume that they're going to get off with get the, the ban lifted. To be absolutely certain, we need to get into the top four and or win the Europa League." But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, City. I think you're right. It's no huge surprise. I mean, I, I suppose there's a part of me that that I expected maybe the the ban to to be reduced to like one year. But you're right. UEFA have put a lot of eggs in this basket and and suddenly look pretty toothless. And you wonder where FFP as a rule now kind of stands. I sort of think to myself, well, because they've obviously they've used some of the evidence from the Der Spiegel expose. Uh, the leaked emails and all that kind of thing, and, and you just sort of think, well, it shouldn't be up to journalists to do their dirty work for them. And, and uh, I, what City have done, it, it always looked dodgy uh, to me. And obviously, reading up on it all, it, it certainly sounds very dodgy. Keeping all their sponsorships in house, you know, um, and all that kind of thing, uh, they've got away with it. But we are where we are. I think we all assume this would probably happen because it, it, this is what tends to happen. So. Yeah, I guess we just have to move on. It's not had a huge effect on United anyway, really, because most of the time we're talking about United haven't been very good anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, if we'd if we'd fi- been finishing second to them, like two points behind every season for the last six years, I think we'd be more furious. And I am, you know, I'm, I'm pissed off about it, but I don't think it's it. You know, it's not had that huge impact on United, really. No, I think it was, from my perspective, more of an interesting... From my perspective, the more interesting element of this was just the permutations for what could happen to City as a club going forward. Yeah, me too. You know? Because if that Champions League ban stands, does Guardiola stay for another season? You know, to... Do players because, leave? Who yeah. do they buy? I mean, it's still, obviously, the weirdest thing is that, you know, City's hierarchy is still so focused on European glory, while a large chunk of their fans couldn't give any less of a shit, which is still remarkable to me. But anyway, you know, I think that would have been a massive hurdle for Pep to overcome, you know, probably, arguably, the biggest in his managerial career, you know, to try and take a side that hasn't got European football to offer new players for two years and try and keep them motivated to go at the Premier League again. That would have been a remarkable, you know, it would have been great to see him approach that, especially after what's happened this season, where they've been, for their standard anyway, so underwhelming in the league. Yeah, I mean, they've not had a good season at all, have they? I mean, they're still in the Champions League. I mean, don't forget, Paul, it could still end, especially because Leeds got a late one. No, 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 Leeds promoted City Champions League. Just imagine if they get all that and we don't get top four. I'm not, it's not going to happen. 
That is not Fine. happening. Right, um, okay. Positive thoughts, positive thoughts. Do you want some questions and then we'll head off? Yeah. Right, Stephen Roberts. Uh, complacency in the performance tonight? First 20 minutes and throughout the second half? Complacency, yeah, we mentioned complacency, didn't we? We mentioned the risk of complacency, uh, I think maybe last week. Um, I don't think we were complacent. I think more... As we said earlier, I think just a bit tired. And again, I, I repeat, I think Southampton came out of the traps so ferociously and played so well mm. that it kind of caught us off guard a little bit. That's so I suppose that sounds like complacency. Um, <laughs> complacency, not for me, Clive. I mean, no. I reckon against Villa, there was certainly an element of that. We started off slowly for about 20 minutes and didn't really get into the game maybe just before that penalty was awarded to us. But today, I think it was United's inability to cope with the high press that made us look a lot worse. You know, I don't think yeah. United were caught off guard. They would have been prepared for that. I think it's just that, again, we struggled to cope with it. You know, we are still not good when it comes to relieving the pressure of the high press. And that is something that Solskjaer has to work out. You know, it, better managers than him have failed to cope with that at United. So he's not the only one, but it is a key component as to why you get situations like, you know, Pogba conceding the ball and then us giving away a goal like that. Something we've got to look at. You know, that, that, that's not the first time we've said that either. Uh, D. Wren asks, this game was harsh, but I need a reminder of how much we need to spend this window. Lack of depth will hurt us if we don't address it ASAP. Yep, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I reckon United have really got to look very carefully about where they can bring in quality replacements. I think Solskjaer knows that as well. And I think the yeah. club surely must be looking at the market and, and, and looking to bring some players in because, I mean, the fact that Solskjaer has stuck with this same team for, what, five games in a row, whatever, it just tells its own story, doesn't it? That it tells you all you need to know about his thoughts on the matter. So he must be going to Edward Wood and the powers that be and saying, look, if you really want us to challenge, you're going to have to put your hands in your pockets again. Yeah, you know, I've shown you that I know how to, you know, I can sign top players. I've got a good eye for a, for a for a transfer, but it's you know what is it now? Four players is brought in. You know, it's just no, it's not enough. Simple as that. It's just not enough. No, absolutely. I mean, I think it it shows a lot of faith in the eleven that have been playing every league game over the last couple of weeks. I think it also shows perhaps whether inadvertently or not a lack of faith in the players that have been on the bench for the last couple of weeks. Quick note as well, Jesse Lingard, not even in the squad again. Summer exit on the way, gotta be. Yeah, Andy McCoy, what's serving Bruno mistake? Feels like he gives us so much more than goals and assists. Yeah, I mean, even again tonight, Pogba and Fernandes were not anywhere near their best, you'd say. And mm. there is definitely a tiredness factor coming to the equation with the two of them. But still able to provide at key moments, aren't they? You know, even if it's just an assist or a useful pass, they're fantastic in those instances. Brilliant players, even like you say, when they're sort of sixty percent. I don't, I don't, I don't know about subbing him off. I mean, I think Solskjaer's hands were tied. You know, Bruno does a lot of running, and he's played a lot of minutes. He looks knackered. Yeah, you know, I agree. You keep running them into the ground, you're going to have problems. And you know, it, we didn't lose that game because we took Fernandez off. We lost the game because we didn't kill it off. Uh, Matt Peck has just uh, replied with "fuck" for his thoughts on that. So there we go. A nice eloquent way to finish things off. Oh wait, Neil Christie's jumped in with one here. Why can't we have nice things? But seriously, thought we played well against the well-coached side and I'm happy that Champions League football is still in our hands. I mean, I was just saying to a friend, I'm in danger of sounding like Homer Simpson when the pig is airborne and saying, it's just a little airborne, it's still good, it's still good. But it, it, <laughs> there are possibilities, you know. I think we'll finish in the top four, definitely. I really do. Gen- I, I think we're... I think we're we are now a better team than Chelsea. I thought that all season actually. Mm. I actually think we're probably better than Leicester on our day. So I think we'll make it. 
Well, I think the only thing to mention as well when we're talking about improving the quality of the squad is that Chelsea are thinking of going after um, Kai Havertz after they've also got Ziyech and Timo Werner sorted out. And despite the fact they've got monumental gaps at the back. So if yeah. anyone on the United board is getting complacent thinking, oh, Greenwood and Martial and Rashford are going to be enough for you, just watch this today. You know, Greenwood for wasn't really in the game. You know, he struggled. United do need more options in a lot of different places. You know, you'd still look at that starting eleven and say, what, with two or three players ideally away from really being able to challenge at the top level just That's yet. That's the thing... Yeah. That's the thing as well, you know. You, you, I think more often than not, if you, if you play Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba together in the first team, it's unlikely they're both going to have by their standards poor games. Like one of them will generally play pretty, you know, play well. One of them will do something, but I think it's important to have someone behind them that is number one fit and number two capable of mopping up after them. And Matic can do that when he's playing peak Matic, but when he's been playing three games after the period, or three or four games after a period of like 12 days, you then just can't do it. It's going to get strained. No. Yeah, totally. And you've got Fred McTominay on the bench, and, and you, that's what I was thinking. So I just, you know, particularly against Southampton, you know, they're such a high energy team that. You need sort of high energy players to, to, to play against them. So weird one, but hey. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you look at what's the more difficult fixture on paper, Southampton or Palace. So that's why Ollie won't for that choice. Yeah. Know, that's why he chose to go for that key starting 11 again. But, you know, yeah. he's created a couple of problems for himself by doing that. Let's see how things turn out on Thursday, shall we? Quick score prediction, then we're done. Uh, I think we'll win. 3-1. I'm going to go with 3-2. I think we're going to have another shaky, awful afternoon. Let's have, oh, I'm sure we'll enjoy that. I'll tell you what, quick thought as well ahead of uh, Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final on Sunday because we'll be recording after that game. Now, yeah. obviously, we'll, we'll we'll be taking into account, we won't be able to take into account the game against Norwich tomorrow, but uh, now there's a side that's had a massive drop-off on form this week and that was a terrible performance against Sheffield United. If United's starting eleven was fit and firing, I'd say there's no way we lose this one, but after tonight, I'm not so sure. Yeah, me neither. I think a lot, again, a lot depends on how we play and who plays against Palace. Because, you know, if we go to Palace with, with maybe making a few changes to give a couple of key players a rest and we still come out with, with three points, then not only the spirits lifted, but, you know, a couple of players have had that rest. And I, 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 again, I'll reiterate, I just think we're better than Chelsea. I really do. And Chelsea's form has been pretty ropey you know, or, or inconsistent this season as well. So we've already beaten them three times. So, um, you know, and, and Solskjaer does have this knack of performing on the big stage, you know, against the big teams. And, and you know, I, I think I'll feel fairly confident, but I think a lot depends on how things go on, on um, against Palace. Right, that'll do it for this week. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Hope you're keeping well at the moment. You know, football tonight aside. As ever, don't forget you can get us all over Twitter. You can get me at at you and Lennox, Paul at Paul Gunning One, the podcast at Red Voices MUFC, and the podcast itself can now be found on Acast, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, to name a few. And finally, don't forget to download the Pitch Sports app on Google Play or the Apple App Store if you fancy pitting your wits against friends and other United fans with your spot-on score predictions and starting 11s. So we'll see you after Chelsea at the weekend. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye.